0: I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't want to see that. I'm conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want I don't need it. I don't want I don't need to see that. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that. I feel conflicted i do not need to see that i do not want i do not
1: need to. i do not want i do not need to see that i do not want to see i do not want to see i do not want to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that.
0: Driving me crazy. Hi, and <laughs> welcome back to Countdown to the Comeback. I'm Miss Jenny. And I'm Miss Marcy. And today we are talking about season two, episode five. But before we start, I would
1: like to say that due to an unfortunate spilling of water on the electronics that I had in the last podcast. Miss Jenny has offered me
0: water in a sippy cup today. I actually thought of it as sort of a romantic gesture. <laughs> 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 i listen i watch i see you i spill i see I you ruin. as you are and I, ex- I accept
1: it she just held my
0: hand i did all right well let's get this rolling because we're a little bit behind schedule we had uh some interesting developments and we'll share those with you at a later date so here we are we are covering season two episode five valerie is taken seriously wow it was good oh my god It was. it so was good. so good it was so good. Uh, I would yell
1: that last one really loud to cover my phone vibrating so Jenny wouldn't yell at me but <laughs> before that I yell? You don't yell. I, I was like, she, she oh, No, she doesn't yell. She's perfect. Uh, I- <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just... I'm sensing a lot of projection. I'm No, I know. I'm not Polly G, damn it. (laughs) All right. Well, there's me yelling at her. Oh, my God. He was so good. Lance, you were so good in this episode. Lance was so good. Oh, my God. How excited were you to see Tom? I was so happy Tom was back. So excited. I missed him. And he looks great. He looks looks the same. He does look the same. Yeah. The only thing that I kept thinking... All throughout this is that I hope I look as good 10 years later, you know, if you compared it as as all of these characters. I, I mean know. Laura Silverman, Pauly G, Robert Bagnell as Tom, of course, Lisa Kudrow. Looks amazing. I mean, they all look great. Mickey and, looks faboo. Mickey looks fabulous. Okay, so really excited about this episode. Last week's episode, I thought what might be my favorite episode yet, but now this one may have topped it. I don't know. I, I don't know. But how can there only be just one more? You Well, and how can you choose just one favorite? I realize it's sort of like I know. having It's Sophie's choice. It's like nine <laughs> We have at the end of this we'll have like 19 children, and how do you pick which one is your favorite, really? You just you can't. You don't we open, we're just jun- going to jump right in right now. We <laughs> open this episode on Valerie. She's doing a little testimonial and it's brightly lit. There's kind of a blue background with a halo around her. She looks like a young Virgin Mary. And Mickey. Has- I thought she, looked like she was floating on a cloud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like an angel on the cloud. Yeah, crowd. just like Valerie Cherish's head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like in my
1: dreams. Uh, and, and you know what? She does those video testimonials in her house. So I feel like maybe she built a set now for her video Testimonial. Yeah,
0: we're not clear on where that is it, she
1: used to be like in the bathroom or whatever but it, it seems that she's decided if a set built for her testimonial
0: well this is also one of the ones that jane is doing these aren't her private ones right, this is the one that jane's true. doing with all the lights so it could actually be on a stage somewhere but it, it looks like it's just built for that well and we realize later on that her entire house is sort of being changed into a studio Yeah. The rooms are yeah, being used exactly. for things other than as rooms in a house so very possible that this is all set up in the house somewhere you're right Mickey has this one spot, he's footsing in, he's talking about this one spot on her hair that he always has an issue with, and he brings out the ozone killer. And she makes a comment about, oh, you know, remember that? Remember when the ozone was a problem? Now we have global warming. Not realizing that they're related. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that she's like, there's always something. Uh, that
1: the ozone layer problem is causing the global <laughs> right. warming. Warming. Warning. Warning. Global. Sorry. Say global warming. <laughs> just a uh, causing the... Say global warming. Okay.
0: Well, I'm just saying I want to get it clean for the edit.
1: <laughs> so... <laughs> and this is going to be like that final episode of season one where she's telling me that, but then she's gonna, there's going to be like little sound bites of oh, me Oh, right. Going. Yes, that's
0: right. It's all going to be... Warning. Warning. <laughs>
1: Global warning. (laughs) You just jamed me out with that. Say that
0: again. You just jamed me. I'm going to totally jane-jane you from now on. I don't. Okay. Okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. All right. Okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. You're you're perfect the way you are. You're
1: perfect. You're perfect. All right, we're digressing.
0: I'm not perfect. If I were perfect, I would be keeping this train rolling. So in this moment between Valerie and Mickey, you really feel in this one little moment, like they've got a history together, right? Yeah, it's a history. He's been covering this one spot in her hair for years. He has been making her look good and hiding her flaws forever.
1: You know, we, we, Jenny, Jenny and I just finished taping something, which we'll talk about on a later episode, but... We were both wishing we had a Mickey there. Oh my God, yes. We wanted
0: our personal Mickeys with our hair. Well, my, I have younger sisters who are twins, and one of them is a hair person, and the other is a makeup person, but unfortunately, they live in Detroit, so it was one of those mornings where I was like, I wish they were here. I, I wish they were here all the time, but I really wish they were here, because we could totally abuse them. We, we need a team. We need a team. We do need a team. Yeah. But but that's why we're not webcasting. <laughs> uh, we are we're not video casting. We're podcasting. You don't want to see that. Actually, today we're wearing pants, which is unusual. Not really. We always have pants. We're on.
1: wearing separate pants. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny is wearing the one pair, and I'm wearing the other. Okay, like I were a visual there that was a little puzzling.
0: <laughs> I've been, like the traveling pants. We're the sisterhood of the traveling pants. We're like, we're actually the sisterhood of the traveling Mike. Who's Mike? <laughs> Sorry. So Jane has been spending a lot of time setting up the lights and she wants to roll, which is something that actually Marcy and I were having an issue with earlier that Marcy was trying to get me to. Move faster. So, who was the Jane in that situation? I chained you. Yeah, you totally chained me. We're both producers at heart, and so it makes sense that we both want to keep it going. So, I'm going to keep it going. Okay. All right. So, Jane keeps asking questions and challenging Valerie. She asks Valerie what it's like to play the role right now. Uh, It's so different from the work she's done on sitcoms before. And Valerie sort of lays on her usual layers of lightness and like, oh, I'm thrilled and starts comparing what she does and how different it is working on this project than something else and how it's always something new and how it's not like being a surgeon. That it's something different every day. It's not like heart surgery. Then Val explains that today they're going to be filming a scene from Room and Board or whatever the show is called in Seeing Red. Because I don't think we've been told what the sitcom is called. Do you? Which? uh, No. Like whatever the fictional Room and Board is. No, we know the characters, but I I can't remember them telling us. And we know Aunt Sassy is Aunt Patsy. Yes. Valerie makes a comment that she's excited to go and do the room and board scenes because it's in her comfort zone and she knows what she's doing. I thought that was interesting, that she's really insecure about doing drama. Yeah, she is and she's good at it, I and mean, we saw that in the episode one, and yeah. we really see that later in
1: the episode.
0: And this also is an area that you can speak to, you've got insight into I mean, the closeness between comedy and drama.
1: right? You know, uh, when I was an actress, and I I did my most work as an actress when I was also doing stand-up, and the strangest thing is almost everything that I was cast in was drama. I don't know if that was a comment on my stand-up, but but I, you know, I was, I did a lot of episodic television and film as opposed to sitcom work.
0: And we see a lot of great comic actors make these dramatic, Robin Williams, obviously. Uh, Jim Carrey. In Birdman, look at Michael Keaton, who yeah. is often looked oh at gosh, sort of a comedy, so film, right. a comedy film actor. Yeah, Ray Romano has been doing on amazing on Parenthood. He's great. I think every area has its own skill set, but I think comedy is kind of harder than drama. I think, yes. That line
1: from my favorite year. Dying is easy. It's comedy that's hard. Exactly. One of the greatest quotes in a film ever in history, I think.
0: So she's insecure about her ability to do the drama. Valerie is saying, well, she doesn't really know much about what's going on. She never knows where they are in the process. She only knows that they're in week four. And then there's this tense moment between Jane and Val. Can you just say a number?
2: Oh, uh, well, we're in, uh, we're in week four. So four. Okay, can you say today we're shooting episode four? Didn't I say episode four? Well, I need okay. the setup. So, okay. Today we're shooting episode four. Well, okay. What? Sorry. Uh, just give me a beat. Take a beat and then say it. Okay. Well, you got to let me have a run into it. Okay, No, you just keep stopping me, Jane. So, just got to get a flow. Nikki. It's not... I yeah, I don't know. I was just so excited, you know, to be talking about how exciting it is to do this show. Right? Now it's just must talk about numbers, you know, I don't know why they even care where we are every minute, you know, and I'm, half the time I don't know where we are and I'm in the scene, right? No one gives me a roadmap, just have to do it, you know, just, Jane, don't want to sit here and lie to the people, you know, because that's not what this is, right? It's supposed to be a real representation of my experience on this show, you know? So I don't know if we're doing episode four or two or back to one or, you know, just keeping it real. You asked me to do this. What's that? I'm doing it. We're right in the middle of doing episode four.
0: Jane is pushing her and she's pushing back. She almost looks like she's going to cry. Uh, but it's, it's,
1: it's, it's goes back to what we were talking about in the last episode. Where, what was her acting training? You know, what was it? Cause it's, she doesn't seem to, she doesn't seem to know how to go with the flow at all. Right. You know, so I really feel, I've thought about it a lot more since we talked about it in the last episode. I think you asked me if I thought she had acting training. Uh, not not Lisa Kudrow who's brilliant and trained but Valerie Cherish I think she went to one of those hacky like out of the drama log acting coach places you know where they really didn't know what they were talking about it's so
0: funny because I was thinking about it as well and about what you said and I thought you made really great points that there are people and I know these people I was in classes with them and I may even, to a degree, be one because I I'm a terrible actress. I That's will say not that. True. But that you know all these terms and you know the lingo and the concepts, but to actually apply them, and right. and we talk about how hard it is to make something look easy. Yes. And a really good actors internalize that stuff and then you throw it away.
1: Right. You should never see an actor's work. You should just enjoy their work. Right. You shouldn't. When you're watching someone, you shouldn't have any put any thought into. Oh I see the process they did to get there. They you should a good actress will never make your mind go
0: there. And that's why there are so many tylers in the world who think that they can just step in and be the next Seth Rogen. Tyler was back?
1: I thought that was his last episode.
0: Oh, really? Oh, I had no indication. I never thought that that was so to Tyler's. I believe
1: I had some inside oh, oh. knowledge that it was, and oh. were wrong. the inside
0: knowledge was wrong, so I was happy to see Tyler. Well, and I guess there was that moment where he sort of said he didn't want to do it anymore, so there was the possibility that it wasn't going to show up. Anyways, so as this tense moment is happening between Jane and Val, Mickey steps in to try and futz with Val's hair, but she pushes him away. Val pulls it together. She is actually in this moment very real. And she's not thinking about the performance of the testimony that she sort of does. She's not like turning it on and being, Valerie Cherish. She's right. really talking to Jane and she's saying, look, they don't give me a road map. It's so different. Such a change of attitude. But Jane, yay, Jane Jane asserts herself and says, hey, you asked me to do this. I'm doing it. So Valerie snaps to complete with her fake smile At the very end, like tagging it. Big smile. Cut to afterwards, Valerie's apologizing to Jane, trying to make things right. And she's like, newsflash, I'm human. Which totally reminded me of the The ladies loving, loving, ladies.
1: ladies. That is what I did tweet.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The the, the first time she said that was when they, in uh, season one, when they pulled the ladies loving, well, when Esperanza placed the ladies' loving ladies' and, tape on and they And
0: they catch Valerie with no lipstick. Yes. You know, I, sometimes I wear no lipstick. Sometimes my husband enjoys that kind of tape. <laughs> Valerie really needs Jane at this moment to say that they're good. And she needs that closure and reparative experience. She really needs Mommy not to be mad at her. <laughs> she needs to be liked. She has a really
1: strange attachment to Jane, like a, a you know... She needs. She just wants Jane's approval at all time. Like Jane has has become her video Mickey. She's a more
0: grounded Mickey, and she's the tough love in some yes. ways.
1: Switch Valerie. Maybe Valerie likes to be spanked.
0: Maybe she. Am does. I projecting
1: again? I don't know. I know now. I, I, we know. We know you got.
0: We know you've got handcuffs. We know you might like to be spanked. Personal personal moments. In this moment, Tyler arrives with a package from Seth Rogan. When he said uh, I, I
1: felt you know, when someone says here's your pa- package, I I always feel like it's gonna be a porn just <laughs> for a moment. <laughs> I've got a big package for you.
0: Delivery, ding dong, big package, big package for th- Mr. Seth Rogen. <laughs> Do you think
1: he has a big package? You know, we've seen him naked a lot. Did you see Saturday Night Live this week?
0: I did. Well, I I sent you that picture, that still of <laughs> James Franco and, and Yoko, Seth Rogen yeah. and Yoko and yeah, and John Lennon, and it was beautiful. But we digress. And but you have to say what you discovered on that picture. Because it was in
1: our last episode.
0: Oh, right. Okay, so in the <laughs> Yoko John Lennon simulation, a photograph between James Franco and Seth Rogan, we noticed that um, there was a little blemish on Mr. Rogen's, on Mr. Rogan's you, And You I, said us I did. And I also want to add that I myself had a blemish on my tuchus <laughs> this week. So... Personal. Personal moments. I wanna add that was Jenny, not Marcy. Yeah, it is totally Jenny, but I I want that to be known because look, I'm only human. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> slash. and uh, all this weird judgmental stuff that we say we also recognize that it is in humor and we are subjected to it all ourselves except i've never had a pimp well because you get the ashle i don't get the ashle <laughs> all right so moving on in this scene tyler arrives with a package from seth rogan we find out that he's already wrapped but valerie really it's this awkward moment, and she does not look like she knows how to receive a gift. And this is I really know. the first time we've seen somebody mm. give Valerie a gift. I think it is. All we've seen through season one and season two so far is her giving other people gifts and being very concerned about giving the gifts. It's part of what she deems like manners and etiquette, and she's thrown off. Like, what? She reads the little note.
2: This for you, huh? Oh, uh, you interrupted me, but... Mallory, blow me. Love, Mitch. Oh, From Mr. Seth Rogen. I shouldn't have said mister. He
0: said blow me, I said mister. Too formal. He said blow me, I said mister. It's too formal. She's totally... He
1: said blow me,
0: I said mister.
1: He said said blow blow me, me, I said said mister.
0: mister. He said blow me, I said mister. He said blow me, I said mister. It's way too...
1: dance yeah. and, and jenny may have had an ass pimple but i my Tuchis almost just broke her chair i think <laughs> i have a big tuchus, tuchus big fat
0: tuchus. oh will you stop it with your tuchus <laughs> enough with the tuchus talk tuchus. Our, yes. our next podcast will be called tuchus talk <laughs> but i will call it Tuchis. <laughs> you think valerie's changing at all? Is she sort of looking? She is changing. Alright. Yes, um, I
1: do. No, I do. I see. I think she's I mean, she, we. she's still like cringe, cringe, cringe,
0: but I think she's a little more grounded. She also seems really giddy about this package, like you know, as much as she's like horrified, she hasn't done anything. She's also like giddy. She's a girl who's getting a gift from a boy. I also think that I should add here that my husband Tom or Tom, I, Yoko. yeah, Uh <laughs> that Tom has made the prediction. We were sort of going over crazy predictions, and, and he thinks that the craziest thing would be if Valerie ended up leaving Mark for Seth Rogen. Because <laughs> that we were trying to say, okay, what's the absolute opposite of where the show started that oh, it would how funny. end. And I was like, I don't think that's gonna happen and here's why. And then I just stopped and I was like, why am I arguing about this? I think that's hilarious. It is hilarious. And so when she got this package from him, he sort of gave me this look like, hey, here we go. (laughs) So Shayna comes out and calls Valerie to set. Valerie, of course, calls Shayna Shauna. Val learns that there are about to do the rehab and relapse work for Seeing Red, and she still really doesn't know what's happening. She's being herded around, and I was thinking how little control actors have, and and how... Yeah, you know, I guess I do have some insight. <laughs> <laughs> some?
1: I... No, it's, you know... And this is something I, I feel sometimes when I listen to our podcast that I talk too much about my other life, but I'm constantly having to tell this to actors. You are not being hired as a writer. You are not being hired as a director. It is your job to bring their writing and direction to life. That's what being an actor is. And sometimes with people, if you just say be an actor, they still think you mean the other thing. So an actor's job is to breathe life into
0: someone else's words and make them seem like their own. And I imagine that that's really difficult when you are an actor and you're on a show. Let's say you're a really good actor and you're on a show like Room and Board. Yeah. Suddenly. No, and you're it doing is. it because you just have to work or maybe you haven't reached a certain level or cachet of project. But you've got to go out and you've got to commit to the lines as they are given to you.
1: Because as you know in your experience writing on a sitcom, um, by the time the script gets to you... Uh, it's been, it's been written the first time by someone who slaved over it. Then every beat and words and moment has been hashed out yep. in the writer's room. So then when some actor comes in and feels like they can do
0: it better, well, you know, F you. Right. You know, don't, don't with, do you know what went into that? So, yeah. And we saw so much of the tension of what happens with that in season one. And we know specifically, she knows, Lisa Kudrow knows from the whole Friends debacle about what goes on in the writer's room yeah, and, yeah. and that dynamic. And there's there's always this, it's not really even a hierarchy. It's just sort of a push and pull course not always there are different shows run differently and sometimes the star of the show is also in the writers room but it's very unusual and you have to kind of have a lot of power and right it has to be a show that was created for you right yeah you have to be Jerry Seinfeld right and when you're not that level or that creator or also respected on the other end of the spectrum as as a writer then you know you're tolerated more than anything else Back to episode five here. Valerie is called to set, still talking about how she's concerned that she doesn't look good because she didn't get Seth a gift, but she's very excited to see what the room and board set looks like, and she's totally fully clad in her Aunt Sassy, a.k.a. Aunt Patsy, sweatsuit. (laughs) They enter into the green screen room. Oh, my God, her face. It was almost like... That scene in the chocolate factory when they go into the chocolate room. Yeah, exactly. Except nothing
1: is there. You knew in that moment she had never seen a green screen, but by the time someone else came up to her, she goes, Oh, we're doing it green
0: screen. I'll tell you who was impressed. Tyler was impressed. He walked in and he's like, this is cool or awesome yeah. or something. This is the first time Tyler's really like, well, maybe since the, the naked. Oh, and the groundlings. You're right. You're right. So Tyler. We m- know what Tyler likes. Tyler likes tits, improv, and green screen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's his J-Date profile.
0: <laughs> Hi, I'm Tyler.
1: I like tits, improv, and green screen. <laughs> and Long walks in the park.
0: So <laughs> Valerie continues to mispronounce Shayna's name, but Shayna actually corrects her this time and explains how they're going to use the green screen. The room is going to be Polly G's mind. It's his fantasy. It's all green screen, what he imagined. Mickey makes the comment, he couldn't have imagined furniture. Again, it is a generation thing. It also speaks to the difference in what's going on in television and movie making. People who used to be employed building sets and doing all of that and decorating sets, those people are being, not put out of work, but are getting less work because everything can be added CGI in
1: post, right? Yeah, but then there's other people getting more work because they're getting work in CGI in post.
0: Right. So the younger people who are coming up aren't learning the older skills, maybe or maybe not as many. Or not in the same ways, so it's it's a different. It's really People different. Are
1: building whole green screen studios now
0: in their garages. Uh, like some friends of ours, while they are kind of taking in the magic and the wonder of the green room, in comes Rada, who we've met before in a meeting that she had at HBO, her first big meeting, and the one woman who we didn't know her name. Rada, and we weren't sure of what she did she is uh in group programming she's played by Kate Comer or Kate Comer I'm not quite sure how you pronounce she's her so name pretty. she's so pretty and, and very personable I thought yeah. oh she I like her energy and it was a great because I she was great with Connor the gay guy the, the young gay executive who I also love I'm also assuming that he's gay I just want to say that I mean he seems like it but I also don't want to make sure he's show folky So they're there. So Radha and Connor are very enthusiastic and they're monopolizing Val. They have to kind of be very diplomatic and only tell certain people what certain people need to know. Here Radha and Connor are talking about Polly G is behind on a couple of scripts, but it's okay. They're bringing in a new director and it's all good. And Valerie seems a little concerned. I'm wondering if she's still reeling from the last episode we saw.
1: Or, but also, I feel like, and this is one of the times we see the sensitive side of Valerie, even for everything he put her through, I, she has some sort of weird sensitivity towards, you know, like, she
0: wants him to be okay. I also saw that as a part of how she's growing, that she's actually capable of having empathy. I I thought yeah. this, you know, in, in season one, there was an episode that we said, this could have been called the hate show. In in a way, this episode to me could have been called The Empathy Show. Like, I saw her tap into what I think is really important for an actor, the experience of others, because she could relate it to her own. That she could imagine that if she were doing something and were replaced, like Pauly G is the director, but he's being replaced for some episodes, that it would have a significant impact. And then she's concerned about him... Going off on a heroin binge and ending up in a Hollywood apartment shooting his brains out like we saw at the end of the last episode. We cannot forget that that just happened and the shock and the impact that that must have on her. The concern.
1: Right. Is it or I don't know. She, you know, I don't think she's that deep, you know. You don't? But I think she I don't know. I mean, I I don't, you know, we don't see it till that
0: moment. So I don't know. I don't know if it's just Polly G or... You know? She is that deep though. You know she's that deep. It's just that it doesn't get up to the surface very often. I mean it comes off on the That's surface, you know, when you're talking about the cancer thing. I mean right. l- And by the way, where was Mickey's cancer this week? There were moments with Mickey, that looked like he, he was—he looked, looked tired and pasty—and so Val, yeah, she's concerned about the Poly G news, and she also makes a comment that she's happy to see he's alive because she doesn't even realize at first that he's actually on the set with them. That stood out to me that they are having this conversation with her about Polly G, and he is so close, and they are paying no attention to Polly G, which really shows a shift in the attitude. This—the studio, the network. People are more interested in Valerie right now than they are in Pauly G. And they're not afraid of him. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point. It was a big shift. Yeah,
1: because nobody cared about her the first season.
0: When she finds out that there's another director coming on, she, you can also see on her face, as Lisa Kudrow does so brilliantly, like a hundred different emotions coming yeah. in. Like, am I happy? Am I sad? I'm kind of excited. There's a new director. Yes, you know, but what about Polly G? Oh, uh, am I, you know, is that going to make it better or worse? Or who is this person? You don't know. The kids assure her that it's all good and the new director's awesome. And Valerie's smiling huge. Really can't contain her reaction. She looks conflicted. She does make some codependent excuses that, like you're talking about for Polly G, the stress that he's under and expresses concerns. So yeah. Well,
1: you know, he's doing a lot. He's wearing a lot of different hats. When she said that, I imagined him in different hats like a bowler <laughs> hat, a beret, a feather chapeau. A little chapeau. Olig- chapeau. Present. <laughs>
0: At this moment, I also had this thought what if she hates the new director? Sort of oh, one of those yeah. be careful what you wish for moments. Yes. Like, oh no. And maybe this will bring her and Polly G closer. I had that feeling for a moment. I hated the new director a little bit. No, I mean, I thought the actress was great, but she's everything I don't like
1: in a show person. <laughs>
0: Even before we met her, I still thought my, this is my writer's mind going, what's the opposite of what you expect here? It seems like a really great thing. She's getting a new director and Polly G's so abusive. So even though it seems like this great thing, the dramatic or more interesting choice then would for it to be worse for her than working with Polly G as if one could imagine that also reminded me of when the cast of R and B bonded over the Beady Beatty boys. Yeah. Maybe she would have one of those moments with Polly G bonding over this new director. Right. On another level, I thought maybe everyone is kind of recognizing that Polly G is a disaster and abusive Aww. and that they need to rein him in. And Connor's also talking to her very gossipy and confidentially. I know.
1: That's why I say show folky.
0: They want to be aligned with her. Then we meet the new director, Andy Tate, who is a girl and she's... And a dancer. Yes, she's great. She used to be a dancer. She directed Kick It and Kick It 2 3D and (laughs) all its sequels. Oh,
1: and she does my most unfavorite thing. She reminds me of those girls in the college theater department who used to do warm-up exercises while they were talking to you. There's nothing worse than some, when someone like gets on the floor and starts doing the splits and spreading out during conversations.
0: I actually do that all the time. But not, not in the workplace. I don't do that like when I'm seeing clients. But if I'm hanging out with friends in my house, I do a lot of stretching. I don't know what to say right now. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay, but that's why, that's why we both have two different points of view here.
1: <laughs> but you don't like get on the floor and do the leg spreading camel toe
0: only because I can't
1: anymore (laughs) (laughs) I know for me something goes click when I do that
0: Connor is really (laughs) Connor is really excited about having Andy as the director and Radha also comments that Andy the new director is fantastic because she did all this green screen stuff on bitches versus witches which is oh my favorite (laughs) all these things that Valerie of course has no idea what they're talking about Right. throughout this whole thing I Again, Polly G is sitting there on set and writing.
1: Which was painful to see. I mean, that's very painful.
0: One time um,
1: I got cast in the Selvigan commercial, and it was really, it was a really strange experience because I auditioned at like eight o'clock at night in like a dark office building, but it was for a big product. It was a national commercial, and literally driving home. My agent called me and said, "You have to go do a costume fitting right now. You're shooting tomorrow morning, and at like ten o'clock at night." And I went, "This is really weird." And I showed up, and I see a friend of mine there, and I'm like, "Oh, how fun! We're gonna." And I turned. Turns out, I was replacing her. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) but they they still had to keep her on, so they made her an extra, and she had to sit behind me. It was like a schoolroom scene. They she just sit behind me the whole time.
0: Oh, how painful! As she watched
1: me reshoot her scenes.
0: Oh my
1: god! And that's I don't yeah.
0: And I'm sure it's like having a writer too. You come in and you've written a script. Uh, you've written a script, and then you go in and everybody in the room tears it apart. And then the head writer rewrites it again. And you come back the next day, and it is nothing like what oh, you had turned it's in. It's awful. People's work will ultimately get rewritten by the showrunners. Right. That's part of the business. It's part it's of a the business. Growing experience
1: personal personal
0: moments it also makes sense that paulie g is there though because he is a producer and writers are producers and they're going to be on set and if they need anything and it's just such a personal project right, and right the creator so he's there to pipe in and get his feelings expressed on whatever it, i also wondered if he's just not going to leave that set very easily too if there's part of him that's yeah who knows
1: what the story will be and there's only one episode left i have to say again so how much more can we possibly find out
0: when val asks if paulie g is okay with this change nobody answers connor and rada it's sort of like they just skim right over that obviously paulie g i don't think is okay with this most likely he's not okay with it andy the new director comes over she's all humble and high energy and very impressed by val she Fawn's over Valerie Cherish. She's given her some girl-on-girl girl love. Valerie's... Um,
1: excuse me? <laughs> some I ladies. I did not
0: see that part. Not that. Ladies. ladies love and ladies. I didn't say she was giving her ladies love and ladies love. But she's really well, giving her this on girl sort of love. Like, yeah.
1: Jenny, what do you think
0: we All right, that? all right. Well, I'm talking about like mutual appreciation Girlfriend. Club. All right, yes, girlfriend on... Well, I think on is the bad preposition in that statement. (laughs) Anyways, Val seems to be excited about working with a woman director. Not in a scissory way. (laughs) And Connor also introduces her to Andy as the Valerie Cherish, which I thought was really Uh, cool. Yeah, she does definitely get a lot more respect this season. We're watching her try to adjust. I, I feel like Valerie still is not quite... She's so used to being put down. Yeah, that I don't think she really knows what to do or if she should even trust it. Valerie says, oh, look at you, so fun, as Andy's doing all the stuff that you talk about is so annoying with all her little dance moves. And, and it's so different and upbeat from everything we've seen on Seeing Red. That's why I was talking about, is this going to change the tone of the show? Yeah, right. Because her upbeat attitude is so such a far cry from Polly G's cryptic, withholding, disdainful approach to everything Valerie. Right. We get another celebrity imitation. La-dee-da, la di da la di First she butchers Woody Allen, and now Diane Keaton. I couldn't be happier. And Andy coddles her actress. She's totally laughing with her, and she's really the opposite of Polly G. Yep. She's not rolling her eyes or making a smart-ass comment or a deadpan stare. She is trying to engage and connect. And uh, Valerie does the same, does it? imitates one of the little dance moves that andy did and i'm wondering what paulie g is thinking watching all of this too like i wonder if he's just dying a little inside like what the hell is happening to my show he can't be completely oblivious even without looking up you know he's feeling he's got to be feeling the energy around him right and hating it (laughs) so the hbo executives leave right a lot happened today a lot has happened and Jane asks if Val wants to say anything about Polly G, and she says that she feels bad for him. I'm not quite sure if she does or not. Well, and whenever she
1: says anything about Polly G, even though she's trying to make it look sincere, she always paints him to be still a drug addict. You know what I mean? She always makes it worse for him.
0: But she also paints him as a tortured genius. But she still
1: makes it worse for him, because she's still... Makes it seem like she feels like he could be using at any moment. And that's not something you want to say about someone on camera.
0: It's true. But at the same time, I keep flashing back to the finale of season one, where she was certain that he had torn her apart in his interviews with Jane. And he had actually spoken quite highly of her, even though he treated her so shitty behind camera. So I always feel like she's at least trying to do that. Yeah. Like, fool me once. But...
1: Again, like no matter what, you know, even though she thinks it's sounding nice, it's still, she's still throwing him under the bus.
0: I think that it's her anxiety and fear that he is going to self-destruct. And... It could be, but I, I'm still saying that she doesn't have that self-knowledge.
1: You know, you just don't say that about someone on camera. It's true. You know, it's a very sensitive issue.
0: However, continuing to play devil's advocate on this subject, they are making a television show about his experience as a drug addict. Yeah, but people want to
1: think, you know, like like Robert Downey Jr., you know, that, oh my God, that was in their past, but now look
0: at them. You know what I mean? But again, but people still talk about it. Yeah, but she's making it sound like uh, he's still actively using it. Oh, like, so he hasn't been fully triumphant is yeah, kind of what you're exactly. saying. All right, I get what Instead you're saying. Instead of, yeah,
1: assuring people, you know, that was in the past. But, like, he's doing great now. Yeah,
0: and look, he's really got it together. Right. Uh, yeah, totally. I see what you're saying. Absolutely. She's planting Good point. Doubt. She screams in his general direction that she's going to miss him. As this is going on, enter... Billy, the publicist. Oh my God, I loved it. Oh, love Dan. Fabulous Dan Bukatinsky. And he comes in a little bit huffy. You can see he's got something just bubbling under the surface, containing it. He does it. that so well. Oh. And he is with the publicity rep from HBO, Carl. Who also looks terse. Yeah, well, he uh, to me, he was kind of like a silver fox, like a confident silver fox to me. There was a smugness. Yeah, definitely. Billy lets us know that HBO has different ideas about press. Billy asks for a minute alone with Valerie. And he's telling her that he has a lot of things lined up with BuzzFeed and USA Today Online. And she seems really happy. And it's all this attention coming at her, again, just one after another. The executives, the new director, now the publicity guys. Carl specifically deals with talent press relations. And he kind of steps in and he's talking to Valerie and not Pauly G here. He is the press, he's the HBO press guy for talent, and he wants to talk to Valerie. He doesn't want to talk to Polly G here, it doesn't seem like he seems... No, no. Of course, I don't know that he hasn't talked to him at other times or whatever, but he really seems focused on her as as an asset for HBO. Billy seems to have big feelings about this, and you can start to see more cracks in Billy's facade, his tentative hold on his anger management issues... (laughs) You can just see the strain. You can feel him. Mickey pipes in that he wants to meet Peter Dinklage. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? I know. We've wanted I... to meet Peter Dinklage since <laughs> a station agent. I
1: have had many naughty dreams about Peter Dinklage. Before Game of Thrones, I'd like Before to Before it say, was hip. I was a Dinklage lover.
0: Yeah, really? I
1: wanted some Dinklage ding-dong.
0: Well, you know how... Women who love Benedict Cumberbatch are called Cumberbitches. Yes. Like, what were those Peter Dink Dinklage? Dinkladies. ladies. Dink. <laughs> Dink ladies. Maybe
1: women who, yeah.
0: He, oh
1: my gosh. I saw the state. Was it you that I called and said I'm I don't, I think it was before. Yeah, it was me. I, no, I
0: can't even say because it makes me sound so bad. But I, I called her and you know. Miss Marcy called me right after she saw a station agent and made it very clear that she had a new finish. A <laughs> new Yeah. There was something new that she wanted to try. Yeah. There was there was something on the tasting menu that I she was, was tired
1: d- of being the spinner.
0: Rats, there you go. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I've been called a spinner long enough.
1: I wanted to find somebody to spin.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> Is that politically correct? I I love it. I don't care about that. I just think it's hilarious. Mickey wants to meet Peter Dinklage because maybe he wants a spinner as well. Oh,
1: there's a visual. Maybe Mickey wants a spinner.
0: We also find out the New York Times are going to come to do a piece on the show. The New York Times. Which she's probably never read. Classy. (laughs) I always think it's funny when people use the word classy Uh because to me I think there's nothing classy about the word classy. Exactly. Classy. It's so
1: classy. Classy.
0: Mickey wants to know what the people of the New York Times are trying to prove making their crosswords so hard. Carl also tells us that HBO has told the New York Times, because of their special relationship, that they've been promised a first look at seeing Red. And even though Carl doesn't want to step on anyone's toes, HBO is very selective about who they let their talent talk to. And it becomes very clear that they do not approve of the many... Outlets that Billy has lined up for Valerie to talk to. And we know what
1: Billy's outlets are. Remember, well, let's not forget about the yoga room incident.
0: But he's also built or redefined himself and built this business after leaving the other one with reality stars. And it's just a different tier. It's a different audience. It's a different. Not as classy. It's a different echelon. Yes. To say that there aren't echelons in the entertainment industry is sort of just kidding oneself because there are. Billy's very defensive about the outlets that he's lined up for Valerie and that they're all home runs because he's very defensive. Um, we're watching this shift that fame and celebrity and stardom makes in people and one minute someone is just a working actor and then they start to launch and people get more invested in them like when people
1: have this podcast it started out really small (sighs) then suddenly takes off thank you everybody by the way thank you
0: everybody for listening the people around valerie are sort of shifting from being this support and collaborators to being people who work for her in a way that i feel like they weren't before. Like I think before there was kind of this element like they're not that they're doing her a favor but that she needs them more than they need her and I feel like that's shifting and now they need her more than she needs them as she's starting to break out With Celebrity, and I'm sure Juna's character and uh, Chris McNess, played by... Oh, Kellen Lutz. Could tell Valerie a little bit more about this, too. Sort of the experience of what happens when you break out and you go from being able to just returning your sheets on Montana to not being able to... To the lady
1: who became a star of Glee. (laughs) Right.
0: From being able to live your everyday life to no longer... Having any privacy, not that she did already. She, all she wants is to be seen, but... She just... doesn't require privacy. And I'm also wondering if it's going to change her relationship with Mickey, so we'll kind of see. Oh. But it might be a good thing. It might be bad. She may She may be closer to him because of it. So this tension is really high between Billy and the HBO rep, and Andy breaks in to get Val on set and leaving them to duke it out. Andy energetically explains the way the green screen is going to work and where things are and how there's an audience of actors hired to simulate the sitcom audience laughter. Val is kind of unsure about all of this, and uh, working in a gumdrop, as she later calls it, is sort of this new experience for her. And I found this fascinating because I've never worked in green screen or on a green screen set. So to sort of see this, I imagine that'd be so hard to do um, my dog, Zelda,
1: did a green screen video. Wow. And what was Zelda's
0: experience
1: like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just She, uh, uh, it was a little confusing for her. Imagine putting a dog in the middle of a green screen and, you know. She was playing Paris Hilton's
0: Chihuahua. Oh, that's really funny. Andy goes on to explain that the 20 actors that are in the audience are going to be cut and pasted. They're going to be copied and, and cut and pasted all over the background to fill, uh, to fill the audience out in the final version. Val immediately's not having it. She's saying, nope, it's not going to work. Explains that they're not going to laugh. She's very nervous. You can see the anxiety rising. They're going to resent her for working on a role they didn't get. They'll be jealous because it's such an expression of what her greatest fears are in others. They're real feelings that she's probably had herself about other actors. She's actually expressing real empathy because she's been in that position. Who knows? She may have done stand-in work. She may have done extra work at some point. We don't know.
1: We don't know what her history is.
0: We learn a little bit. But she's been that actor who's been jealous that the other person got the role. That's, again, where i say, like, this is the empathy show. She's empathizing with these people. And so she also doesn't trust that they're actually going to be rooting for her. Well, they probably aren't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Extras generally hate the stars. She's speaking her truth. Andy assures her that it doesn't matter, that she's going to pull rank. Being the director, they'll laugh when she tells them to laugh. Or they'll be back in the SAG Actors Lounge. You know what I need to tell you? There's no such lounge. I know. I was like, I wasn't quite sure what that meant. But... Can you imagine how
1: big that lounge would have to be? <laughs> yeah. It would be a very big lounge.
0: And is it just a lounge that any SAG actor can go to at any point? Yeah. Or just maybe like, they... Hang
1: out and have, have some toast.
0: But with... maybe what she sort of means is like the extras holding room. Yeah. I think to a degree that Valerie seems to think she needs the laughter to be real. Well, you know, I mean, that
1: is weird for a sitcom. I mean, if, it, if she was doing stand-up, yeah, you, you know, it's weird to do stand-up. To
0: nobody, but as a sitcom audience, as you've experienced, I and I've been on sitcom sets when working on a sitcom as a writer, but also being in sitcom audiences as an audience member, you laugh at things like once and it's genuine, and then the next five times you hear them, it's not that they're not still funny, but it's just it is all. And they hold, they hold up that sign to make you laugh. Right. They used to just use laugh tracks, too. Yeah. The sitcom audience to begin with is sort of a joke. It also reminded me of the cupcake scene on Room and Board where... I thought you were about to say Roman Polanski for some reason. And I'm like, what does he have to do with this? But the scene? cupcake scene where Polly yeah. G had sent everybody home and there were no audience and she was so upset about having to do it without a real audience. And this is one of her biggest fears. Right. As Andy walks Valerie through the scene and she's actually directing her, which is awesome. And she's reassuring her where things are and where she's, where Valerie's insecure. She seems to be listening to Valerie and Valerie starts to get it and sort of relax. And she seems to even start to enjoy the fake laughter. In the sequence, we are lucky. I feel like we're lucky to learn that Val was once a mime in, in a mall in college. But didn't you have a moment of
1: fear? When she showed how she was going to open the chest of drawers that we were going to see her climbing the rope like she did at the (laughs) groundlings again.
0: She now feels confident after that one groundlings to go toe-to-toe with Seth Rogen. And I'm wondering what the story is behind her being a mime in the mall in oh college. Oh my god! I, yeah, that, if I ever I wanted a flashback. It and was she mad. said once, so I wonder if it meant like she did it like that was one job she had, and she did it for a while, or whether she did it once and it, and then got fired or got kicked out or got kicked out or, of the got mall, kicked out, or, or maybe it wasn't of a job. Trade. Maybe she just you know she's miming. She's stuck in a box. Andy assures Mimes her. Scare me so much. Andy assures Valerie that everything's going to happen in post. And this really reflects a lot of what's going on in TV and film these days. Poor, poor post. The boys, we learn there are two boys that are in Seeing Red, two kids that aren't there because they're off shooting a movie and they'll be at it in post. Valerie is there all alone in a room with nothing with no one authentic to play off of and she has to bring it all herself She has to fill the room that big green room with nothing using nothing, but herself. she's got to open those drawers goddammit. damn it. Those, She's got to see them. She's got to feel them in her hands. She's got to climb those drawers She sort of starts to love the audience, too. She's like I take it back. It works. It works. Yeah She has
1: no idea she just wants laughter. She just yeah. wants to feel she's pleased. No, I love when she made a joke and they didn't laugh and she, got, she goes, uh-oh.
0: Andy starts to explain what they're about to film and how Valerie is going to be doing this spinning and morph into a monster. She'll be sucking in everything in the room, furniture, food, one of the boys. And Valerie wants to know what the monster looks like. And they actually show her a drawing. She starts to talk about the different voices that she wants to use. Oh. Polly G, who has not said anything no. and has had head has had little earbuds in, he can no longer contain it and he breaks his silence. This seems like the straw that broke his emotional camel's back. Now, with this moment,
1: we see Polly G. We see the non-medicated, and I'm not talking about heroin. I'm talking about whatever because he, you know, the first couple episodes, he was that wasn't, you know, I mean, he was Lance Barber, who plays him, was great you see him on, under stress now. Yeah, and apologies. The old apologies coming out.
0: Yeah, I think it's hard enough as a recovering addict to sort of keep it together just on on a cool day, yeah. like on when things and when things are going your way, you know, you yeah. get your show picked up and everything's potential and yeah, there's probably some pressure and excitement, but the stress of actually doing it without whatever you use to appease that anxiety is just really taxing him and pushing him to the extent of his ability to contain it. And you see this here because he shuts her down. I've been playing around with a
2: couple of voices, you know, something like, um, you know, I'm a monster and I'm dangerous. There's no voice. Well. You're the monster, Val. You got it? Okay. You don't have to do anything because you're the monster, you. Clear? Yeah, uh uh-huh. I'm playing the character who's the monster. Mallory's the monster. That's right. I get it. Yeah, that's
0: right. Okay. Good. Again, the whole confusion between what is real, who is what. Is Valerie the monster or is Mallory the monster? Everyone on set is quiet and is sort of watching this uncomfortable. Polly G is showing many people who he is, but I'm not sure that anybody respects him. Or is particularly as afraid of him as they might have been on room and board. No, I don't think so. So Mickey's watching all this, Jane is watching Shayna in the background. If you see her, it looks like she's got her hand over her mouth sort of like in shock as well as he's screaming at her. This exchange also is taking place in front of the new director this new female director who is probably mm. horrified in how he's talking to another woman on the set, a female actress. And Miss Marcy's picking up her Sipica! I am,
1: but I'm oh, is, is this water for me? Yeah, that's for you. I'm scared that you put a roofie in
0: it. There's no roofie in it. Okay.
1: It's weird. Jenny offered to mentor me, and Just then it. Uh... No, We're
0: not going, that, let's not waste time doing a riff that I'm going to cut out about Bill Cosby. <laughs> We go into Valerie's trailer in the next scene, and she comes out and she's wearing her full-on green bodysuit. Which is fantastic. She wants to have the robe on because she, of course, is always concerned with how she looks. As this is happening, Billy enters the trailer and he's really wound up about something. And he makes the announcement that he's canceled everything. A little wound up? He He looks like he's about to
1: explode. Billy, not now. Not now. I have no hair.
2: No, no, no. It's fine. I'll just go fuck myself. God damn it. And people are going to get pissed at me. They're not pissed at HBO. They're fucking Mm -hmm. pissed at me. Okay. Do you want some water or something? Do you know what I do all day long, Valerie? I make phone calls on your behalf. I probably have a fucking brain tumor from my cell phone. Fuck. I should have seen this coming. You were on the verge of launching. And every time I get
1: close, some bullshit happens, and I get shut down. And then they leave.
0: Suddenly, you really get an idea of what has probably happened to Billy before. I mean, this cannot be the first time that he's... That is why I think we just saw...
1: I'm pretty sure that hissy fit that we witnessed just now is what happened at his old farm.
0: And I think the same thing happens to a lot of people in the industry, not just actors or writers or publicists, just certain people. It's a personality trait, too, that you get to a certain level and you create your own chaos. You are, you know, setting up all the dominoes for your own self-destruction and you're tipping them over. And that's kind of what he does in this scene The most important thing here is that he's convinced that she's about to launch and that she's going to dump him. And he's so afraid of being left that he wants to be the first one to leave. And all Valerie hears is she's a star.
1: Right. (laughs) That's all she got out of his huge
0: temper tantrum and everything else when he left. Not really caring about him.
1: Did you hear? I'm a star. Uh, That's all she got. That's all she got from that.
0: And we see this happens in Hollywood with people achieving success and that they do leave the people on the shore who kind of put in all the footwork to launch them. You
1: know what?
0: Yeah. And I, for a
1: moment, I thought, oh, Valerie won't let that happen. But, you know, don't forget in season one with the designer dress, she threw Mickey under the bus.
0: Valerie is like trying trying sort of lightly to calm him down, but not really engaging too much and really does let him go. Cause she's gonna throw him under the bus. Okay, there's a point at which she almost she looked almost to me like she was smiling, but I thought that could be just like nervous. (laughs) But she may have also just been stuck on something that he said, like somebody who's about to launch, right? He obviously feels powerless and insecure. He also compares what's happening to what happened with Ava Longoria before Housewives. Mickey's concerned that he's crying. Are you crying? Is he
2: crying? Billy, listen, don't cry
1: at work. It's not professional. Leave me alone. I don't care. There's no crying in baseball.
0: Billy begs her to fire him and then just says, fuck it. He quits and storms off.
2: I left my cell phone in Yeah, well, can't even fucking quit, right?
0: Billy half-ass. He like, calls himself a name as he's storming off. It was really sad. It was sad. It was a great hissy fit. Dan Bukatinsky was amazing. He was amazing. Oh, and I also have to say, at that moment though, because I always get really excited when I see Billy come on because of the energy and the character amuses me. Oh, and well, and and the whole the whole mystery relationship with him and, and Mickey. So his quitting and storming off made me really sad for a moment i was like yeah, i don't want too. him to be done i don't no, want him to be yeah. done at that moment i thought oh no I, i'm not ready to say goodbye to billy but then i remembered he's the producer so but that doesn't mean necessarily that i know billy's gonna be back again we're about to have an empathetic moment with valerie here mickey asks valerie what she thinks that was
2: what was that yeah well i think you know and i think he was embarrassed you know, in front of HBO, the big guns, you know, because they're
0: right. That Carl knows what he's doing. That to me seems almost like an empathetic moment. and sort of. And that she sees this desperation in others and knows it on some level because she's lived in that place for a while.
2: Couldn't handle the pressure, you know. Poor little Billy. Snapped. Just snapped, you know. Wants it so bad. And you heard what he said, you know. We're approaching superstardom now, so... You know, couldn't handle it. Flew too close to the sun.
0: She said, you heard what he said. We're approaching superstardom now. Which he didn't say. No, he didn't say any of that. That's what she heard. That's often happens with Valerie. And then she's invited to set. Shayna shows up to invite her to set. I was going to say the funniest
1: thing about the green screen suit is the whole point to a green screen suit is to take everything away that's not green so they can put it back later. And she insists that Mickey pulls some pieces of hair out. Totally ruining the whole green screen effect, the whole suit. There's no with the hair out, there's no point to wearing the suit. She really doesn't get she doesn't get it at all.
0: As she's exiting the trailer, a golf cart with Liz, the reporter from the New York Times, pulls up being driven by Carl, the HBO publicity guy, and Valerie doesn't realize that Liz was supposed to be there today, and she jokes that she's not ready for her close-up. Liz explains that they have to do it today because she's meeting with Seth the next day. Val seems very vulnerable and makes her little joke about it's not easy being green. There's
1: another. There's a lot of film related stuff. There was the the Muppets reference.
0: Ever the Insecure Actress. It's not that easy being green. On the green screen set, Andy is directing Val again helping her with the movement and really praising her when she gets it that seems like it's working really well Valerie's being directed to act as if she is ripping a baby apart and told that she's destroying Polly G's inner child. I was thinking about that green suit and boy anybody would feel vulnerable in that it is, it is you may vulnerable as well be ensemble. naked I know
1: it shows everything So Val- she does have those three strands of hair to
0: give her comfort though She's doing this spinning, twirling thing that she's being directed to, and Mickey compliments her as quite the twirler. (laughs) Val wants to talk to Liz, the reporter, who is sitting there on set before she leaves. She's afraid that Liz, the reporter, will think that this is representative of the entire season. (laughs) I
2: just wanted to say... This isn't what we normally do, you know, this stuff, the special effects. (laughs) Ripping a child apart. I don't know what they're going to have me do for an encore. Uh, Eat Santa Claus. (laughs) Don't worry. I know this isn't representative of the entire season. Yeah. Okay, good. I saw the first episode. Oh, you did? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. Your performance is very brave. We learn here that Liz has actually seen the first episode, and she makes a comment that Valerie's performance is brave. Oh. And she does say that she wants to talk more to Val after she's changed. The way that Liz says that Val's performance is brave, that's a really big compliment
1: to an actress. But again, Valerie doesn't hear what's being said to her. She hears what she wants to
0: hear. Liz looked almost like she was going to cry saying it. Like, well, but Valerie looked stricken as well. Like, she didn't... Definitely. No. Well, Valerie looked like a deer in the headlights, yeah. though. Like, what do you mean by brave? Liz looked really like she'd been touched in some way. Valerie looks uncomfortable because she has no idea what she means. And that word, brave just sets up the rest of the episode. Yeah. They're about to go again on set, and Valerie calls Mickey over, and she tells Mickey what the reporter just said, and that she's certain she needs to see the dailies, and can they get a DVD? You know
2: what,
0: my hair,
2: I I feel my hair coming out, so Mickey has to check it. Uh, All right. good to me, Red. Yeah. Um, she saw the first episode. She said, I was brave. What does that mean, brave?
1: I
0: don't know. I gotta see the dailies. You know what? Just gotta see them. And Jane's like, yeah, people don't do DVDs anymore. It's all up on Dax. (laughs) Valerie thinks Dax is a person. Who's Dax? Is he the crew guy with the kilt?
1: I was obsessed for a moment about the crew guy with the kilt.
0: I haven't seen the crew guy with the kilt. I haven't
1: either, but you know.
0: Well, we know that there used to be a crew guy with no nose in season one, so now there's a crew guy with a kilt.
1: And, I mean, every time you see a man in a kilt, doesn't it get you to thinking? Sure, but that's because I have a plaid fetish. Do you? I do. Do you want a man sort in a of. plaid skirt?
0: Maybe. Do you make
1: your husband wear a kill? Oh, that would be sexy. I don't think he would do it. I think he might.
0: <laughs> oh, well, all right. Uh, so Jane explains further... He doesn't want us to say that. <laughs> Jane explains further that Dax is a website and that they need a password to get on it. Cut to we're in the study in Val's house. Which, okay, you know what? I
1: felt there was a weird continuity... Issue in this episode. Did you get that too? Because they were on the set. The New York Times reporter was there. Then they were suddenly at Valerie's house. But it was, it ended up being the same day because then when they got back after the other stuff, we're going to talk about the reporter was leaving.
0: Uh, but it could have been the next day. It could be the next day because she yeah. was going to meet with Seth But She was the next wearing the day. same thing. Yeah, it was a weird. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't take me out. That's why we both do this. We both noticed different things. I wasn't noticing what the New York Times reporter was wearing or not wearing. So we're in the study of the Berman chair, the cherished Berman household. And the it wall is there slash the comeback wall. And I had no idea how they got the password. But somehow they got the password. Yeah. And I think Jane got it
1: somehow. Jane can do
0: anything. In the middle of Mickey struggling to figure out how to access Dax... Mark comes into the studio, and there's tons of pounding and construction sound going on around them. We realize the crew is there still for shooting Seeing Red, and this is where Mark informs us that they are converting the dining room into a hospital room. (laughs) How did that happen, that it's suddenly, you know, it's their studio? Just as Mickey is getting into Dax to see the footage, Mark has reached his limit.
2: Val, what's with all the pounding? This is crazy. You show guys have been here for hours. No, I know, but they have to be here, though. Well, what are they doing? Well, they have to turn the dining room into a hospital for the OD scene. You're not even in the hospital scene. Red, I think we're in. Okay. This is supposed to be
0: behind the scenes only. I'm finding a sublet. It's 11.30,
2: so he's allowed.
0: But she doesn't really seem concerned. She doesn't go after him. She doesn't even ask Jane, like, hey, should we go after him? She's like, no, she's totally interested in the dailies. And then they view the dailies. Which I thought she was brilliant in. She was so good. But we talked about that when we saw the little clip from when she was on CSI, too. And we're yeah. like, she's really good. Yeah. We yeah. see more of it. And yes, it's amazing. This footage of her, she's fantastic. She seems real. It's an interesting fictionalization of the message that she left for Polly G when she was in Palm Springs and he had the party and invited everybody but her. And remember she left him that drunken message. That to me was what this scene was like a dramatization of that. Do you think about that at all? Yeah, absolutely. And all she could obsess about was the lighting.
1: That's all she saw when she looked at herself.
0: Also, interesting in the seeing red footage is the line Mallory says. Not Valerie. Not Valerie, but Mallory says that I'm your way out and you're too fucking stupid to know it. I just thought that that was a really significant thing that Polly G had written that she said to him.
1: Yeah, but that was sort of him admitting he fucked up room and board, not her. He fucked it up by trying to fuck her over.
0: I think it shines a light on the fact that she doesn't even really understand what seeing red is about. She still thinks it's about making her look bad. She doesn't even see how... It's him. It's his whole drug-induced thing. That it's his fantasy about her, but also he doesn't seem to be representing himself very flattering. No. Not that she's concerned about that. Mickey is very, very impressed with this footage, and he, if he's not already, he looks like he's about to cry. And he makes the comment... Oh, Red, after all these years, you can really act. And again, like you said, all she's concerned about is... How she looks, the lighting, that she looks tired, suddenly she panics and she needs Billy back to do some damage control and get some pretty magazine covers. She does not like looking like herself or looking like a real person. No. It made me sad because it made me think about how many actresses in Hollywood must really feel like that you about know, themselves. Jenny, we just did that. Jenny and I had to send
1: in a self tape of something for something we'll tell you about later. And we both were
0: sitting there, uh picking ourselves apart. It's we were. Tr- it's true. Valerie says, people aren't going to want to see me look like that. Jane, do you see that? Valerie doesn't want to see the real Valerie.
1: Well, you know, t- someone who travels with their, their hairstylist everywhere clearly has some image they've created that they're very rigid about. And she's, you know, she's got, still got the same hairdo. You see, like, a lot of older actresses in Hollywood who are, oh, God, who's... Diane Cannon. Do you know who Dan Cannon yeah. is? You know, she had that long curly hair. Yeah. You know, she's, I, you still see her at the Laker games. She goes to the Laker games. Her seats are right near my mom's. And she still has that, you know, long curly hair and she wears the little jeans. And I mean, she looks great until she turns around and you're like, well, and she's older than my mom. You know, her look could do with a little updating, but she's, she has the exact same look she had when, you know, she was probably a teenager.
0: Well, they say that a lot of people get stuck in a look, their high point of, I look good like this, so I'm going to stay like this for the rest of my life. And I remember working for a writer-director who still wore the same kind of jeans, t-shirts, and sunglasses that he had been wearing for 15 years. Oh, no, that's not good. And I would have to special order things. I mean... These white Varnay sunglasses from, like, 1983, which, you know, people get stuck in their glory day areas. And this is somebody who I really liked and cared for, think is very talented and a good-looking guy, but I would still think, like, ooh, we need to update that look. But he was very rigid about it. It It's comforting to him have you True. ever been
1: to uh you know when you go to high school reunions and I you know I, that I was go all not the time I, best I go. time I know you have a, you have a good high school class I haven't gone to my last like two but I remember going and like the people who are really popular in high school didn't look as good but dressed exactly the same as their glory days.
0: My hometown has very specific looks that are quote unquote timeless, and even if we didn't w- dress that way as kids uh although most were sort of these mini adult these mini preppies yeah you know everybody does still look the same because everybody was wearing the child's version of the mom's clothes of the khaki pants and the button downs but that's that's my hometown i didn't grow up here in hollywood right like i was always the weirdo though and i change my look every five minutes I do too, and it confuses some people. But to me, I feel like how you look on the outside is an expression of where you are in your life and how you feel and what your mood is that day and what you're going to do. And damn it, if I'm going to be out on a fishing boat, I'm going to put on a fishing boat kind of outfit. I'm going to look like Coco Chanel you going often to the
1: fishing boat. It. That's Jenny and I are big fishermen.
0: That's we do that.
1: We we, we bang down a few brewski's <laughs> we...
0: <laughs> we when we're not podcasting,
1: we go take our rods to the pier. When and... we're
0: not, po- yeah, when we're not podcasting, you can find us on the pier. So but... catching
1: a big one. So like Peter Dinklage. Think no pe- you
0: think that Peter Dinklage has a? I think he's hung like a horse. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I think Valerie's like scared shitless that she'll be rejected and abandoned, and if if she shows any of that, and that's really sort of the that's basis so of like, well, and that's that's. The basis of borderline personality and narcissists is really this crippling fear of rejection and abandonment. It's hard because you have to keep that in the front of your mind when dealing with people like that because they will do everything to make you want to reject and abandon them. She is a perfect example of that. I think it's worse with women, or not worse, I think it's harder for women in Hollywood. I think for men it's not easy either, but there are plenty of men in Hollywood who continue. Look at...
1: The sorry, Jadapto, I think you're a very nice guy. You used to be very nice to meet the improv, but you know, in his movies there there's always the unattractive leading men who are like, you know, married to Samahayek and you know
0: well, I don't know that Seth Rogen is going to be, as he, as Seth Rogen ages, I don't think he's going to be concerned about getting hormone replacement no, therapy but or but he Botox. will still have
1: beautiful leading ladies.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at,
1: look at his wife and
0: neighbors. Yeah. You know, it's just, they don't. And he's young, but I, you know, but I. Right. But there are some actors I think could do, uh, and then some I'm sure it's harder because if you're more known for your looks. Right. Uh, I'm sure it's harder to. Antonio
1: Sabato Jr.,
0: Was on Dancing with the
1: Stars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's getting on in years. And he definitely had a mask-like appearance (laughs) on his face. It made me sad.
0: Well, we, we just want everybody to know that, you know, whatever you do that makes you feel good, as long as you're healthy about it and people are not taking advantage of you, you know, go for it. But we also, I love... Love who you are. Love who you are. Beauty comes from the inside. And after this, we're both going to our Botox appointments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to do liposuction.
0: I was also wondering in this little scene what Mickey thought of her acting before now, too. That,
1: I wrote that on our thing, you know, because he said, wow, you really can act. What has he been, has he been lying to her all these years? Because, well, you know, that was so honest when I said, wow, Red, you can really act.
0: Here's my take on it. My take on it is not that he was lying, only that, like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, that he thinks there's a distinction between comedy acting and drama acting. And I think he thinks really acting is what you do when you are on a drama and not what you do when you're on a sitcom. Yes. That's my feeling. But I, I think it might also be a combination of both yeah. of them. I don't know that it's, that it's either you know, or. We
1: love Mickey, but you know, never forget that she is his meal ticket.
0: She's very concerned about the lighting and seeing red, and luckily for her, the crew for seeing red happened to be in her living room. Well,
1: yeah, because they live there now. They're probably already bunking there. (laughs)
0: Right, and she goes up to Will, who I assume is the DP and the director of photography, and the director of photography, they are the ones who decide where all the lights are going to go and what... The shot is going to look like obviously directors have visions and they collaborate but the DP is the one who makes it happen who makes sure that the crew sets the lights here or there and he is actually taking light readings when she comes in and she's trying to give him notes on how to light her but you
1: know when he first when she first comes in again as opposed to the first season he was so nice
0: to her well I certainly hope they're so they're in a fucking house they better yeah. be fucking nice I to know. her I
1: know it's the fuck show today.
0: If anybody out there knows or are a director of photography, do you get these kinds of vanity requests from actors all the time? Because it just seemed again like overstepping a boundary. It's just like telling a, telling a writer what a better joke would right, be. Right? No, it's she. You know, she does. She oversteps the boundary in every way. He dodges it and says that she's got to talk to Polly G, and he's like, who's asking for me? And she says, oh, hey, look, the show looks really good, but I think there needs to be more light. And she's just sort of talking, not realizing that she's completely giving herself away, that she's busted into the dailies without having permission. And even though we know what her real agenda is here, that she wants to look better, prettier, younger, or hotter, whatever, she's also about to piss Polly G the fuck up. She never knows. She never thinks. She doesn't think. And he freaks out when he finds out that she's seen the dailies. Ron is rolled in to explain (laughs) himself. Rolling Ron. And Ron swears that she's on the no dailies list. Which
1: (laughs) means there's been discussion about her. And which means Polly G has not really changed his feelings towards Valerie at all. We learned so much in that moment. He still hates her
0: well i never really thought he stopped i know but you know he tried to pretend so she's still going on jammering on about getting the light box so her eyes will pop and polly storms off barely holding it together
2: polly just trying to have a conversation here. oh my god I, I can't believe i'm having this conversation i don't want you looking at the dailies uh-huh why is that because you don't want me to see how i look huh you don't want me to see that you're making me look bad. You're trying to make me the monster. What the and- fuck are you talking about? I don't want you looking at the dailies because I don't want to have fucking pretend conversations with you about light boxes, which aren't even a real fucking thing. Okay. Jesus Christ, this isn't Star Wars, for fuck's sake. I am two scripts behind. You hear me? Two. Okay. I not need this shit right now, Valerie. Jesus, a fucking needle in my arm.
0: Heartbreaking. This is also heartbreaking, and, and she doesn't know what to do. The needle in his arm reference,
1: I think, really got to her.
0: She doesn't know she should go after him, and she asks Jane, who does not respond. And weren't you thinking, oh, don't go after him, please, don't go after him, please. Oh, God, I was just sitting there like, oh, no. Thank God she didn't. And Jane doesn't tell her to, because Jane is usually the one that says go after them or follow right. them. So Jane doesn't even encourage her to. I feel like Jane's been in some sort of program. We don't really hear
1: anything about that but it's very clear you know that first episode when she went or the second episode when she went up to Jane's house that Jane been through some shit.
0: Sure I think that any time you've survived working in reality television you've been through some shit. No but I mean you know, maybe there's some, So maybe
1: she's a program person you know maybe, maybe, who knows, you know her house had that whole, I don't know she had that
0: feeling about her. Val starts talking about how Polly used to have Tom. You can tell that she fears he's about to go down the rabbit hole again. And I was also wondering if at that moment Valerie felt on her own. It really feels to me like she understands that feeling. And maybe that's also why she always wants the reality crew around her so that she doesn't feel alone. She constantly needs somebody to validate her experience. Cut to the set of a child's TV show, Nickelodeon, and it's a show called Nicky Nicky Knack Knack
1: uh a lot of people who worked in sitcoms at the time the first comeback was around because of the sudden boom of reality television and a lot less sitcoms on the air i have several friends oh, yeah. who are that's where the, that's their gig now disney nickelodeon yeah, you know, all it's, these it's, children's it's channels steady work they love having sitcom people you know it ups it ups their street cred and it ups the quality of the scripts i mean i we have some really talented friends oh. who are, and they, they you know, they've definitely upped the quality of those shows. And it's also, it's steady work. It's a paycheck.
0: And a lot of them also, as they got older, had families and kids, right. too. So they can really to. aim things to, yeah. towards the kids. And they, again, yeah, they have to keep working because they yeah. need to raise their families. And so if they're lucky they're working. Right. You know, that's the thing is every working writer in Hollywood isn't working on network sitcom or an HBO drama. You know, there's all these other channels. You know, I
1: I teach a lot of child actors and, and and adults at the actors circle. Um, but, you know, a lot of times when I get a coach and for auditions, I look at the breakdown for the script and I say, oh, look who's working on that Disney show. Oh, is a constantly a surprise.
0: I'm always that way during Emmy nomination time, too, when we get the ballots and, you know, we're looking through and I re- recognize all these names of people that I know and love and have worked with. Like, I'm so happy to see they're working. Right. Oh,
1: absolutely. You're just like,
0: all right, you keep going.
1: And I, you know, I've seen the quality of those kind of scripts really go up since, you know, a lot of the sitcom people have migrated over.
0: On the set of Nickelodeon's Nicky Nicky Knack Knack, Val and her crew are there and they've got little visitor badges on them. For a moment, I had this fear that she was going to be making a guest appearance. I thought she was going to self-destruct by starting to do some stupid appearance that Billy has lined up for her that will piss off HBO. My mind just starts spinning in all these disaster areas. My fears were completely put to rest when we had the appearance of Robert Bagnell, or Bagnell, a.k.a. Tom. We have been missing him so Yay. much. If you listen to our first season of podcasts, we love Tom. Yes, we love Tom. I love my husband, Tom, but I love the character, <laughs> the writer, Tom. He looks happy to see her. He gives her a big hug. Yeah. Uh, he knew she was coming because he says that she's early. Obviously, she's got a visitor's pass on, so she was that And he notices the cameras... Of course. He's interested in knowing what he can do for her, and she tells him she wants to pick his brain about Polly G. He says that he doesn't know how to help, and we find out that it's been six years since they've talked. And he refers to him as that guy. Like, wow, it must have gotten really bad. We also don't know how they ever got to be a writing team with him. Didn't they, they, they
1: worked together? They were in school. I thought, well, they were at the Simpsons, but for some reason I... Thought like they mentioned they went to Yale together or something. Oh, I
0: never heard that. No, it was Gigi who was at Yale. I know that Polly G and Tom wrote for The Simpsons and won the Emmy. But I didn't know how they had come together as a partnership. And they could have been put together by agents. But they could have, like you said, they could have gone to school together. Who knows? But whatever happened, they have not been in contact for a very long time. Valerie says, looks like you two are due for a chat. She is desperate. He tells her that it didn't end well between them but he doesn't want to talk on the camera and she stops the camera. There's a really interesting production choice at that point. You really see a shift from the reality camera when she says, you know, okay this is off camera. And they move behind some set pieces and are having a conversation. But of course then again we see Jane's sort of point of view through some foliage or something weird on the set. Val kicks Tyler off the hot set. He still doesn't know enough to stay off of a hot set. Val explains why she's nervous thinking that Polly G is on the edge. And Tom explains how Polly G was always on the edge. Tom also says that he doesn't understand how Valerie could work with Polly G after how he treated her and talked to her and talked about her. And he said, Do you know what he said? He said, you're the devil and we should find a stake and pound it through your heart if you have one and kill you. Empathy. Something
1: I always like to hear when I want to know how someone feels about me. I don't know about you, but that feels good.
0: That's like the worst nightmare. That's like the, <laughs> my biggest fear is that somebody would say, oh, you know that person always hated you and know that. I mean, I'm sure they exist. I don't want to hear it, though. I'm happy in my little place called denial. I like my bubble. I like my bubble. I, my bubble is happy. We also see that Tom is really only happy kind of on the surface with what he's doing and his patience for it is low yeah he really is losing patience with the guy who's playing the caterpillar which oh
1: god he was good
0: valerie takes some responsibility for the things she feels she may have done on room and board which was very mature of her yeah absolutely
2: right and he was a drug addict so made mistakes said some things i said some things too Yeah. to mark you know, after a glass of Pinot Grigio. But well, listen, like the old saying goes, let he who has done it cast the first stone.
1: Ah, uh, Jesus, why? I don't get this business. Why does everybody make excuses
2: for that guy? Not making excuses. I practically had to go into al to deal with his bullshit. We I mean, write that shit sitcom, Room and Board, ruins my career, and in the meantime, everybody can't wait to fucking work with him? Like, I... I just, I like, I have no points on Nicky, and Knack, Knack. Five seasons is an EP. Five. Wow. And none. Oh. This is the biggest fucking show on Nickelodeon in years. It's not fair. I have no points. And he was a big fat deal at HBO. It's like, what the fuck?
1: That big what? A deal. Come on, what, what are you doing? I swear to God, if you come in here one more time, I'm going to rip you in half. Well, I am tired of waiting. Do you know how hot this fucking suit fuck is? you, are getting
2: paid. Fuck you go, you. I'm in a meeting. Well, fuck you, Fuck off, um, fuck so you, do it. Fuck you. Go, go. go. I need a fucking Don't. I want to be involved. Yeah. Right. Look, you just knocked down the he over? The... I'll fix it.
0: You know the old it. saying goes, let he who has done it cast the first stone. <laughs> yeah, was well, uh, you know, room and board ruined Tom's career. Meanwhile, everybody's like chomping at the bit to work with Polly G. Yeah, that was a really sad moment. And he tells... It's him, true,
1: actually, you know?
0: And I've seen that happen in partnerships. I've totally seen that happen in partnerships. I've witnessed the breakdown of somebody behind the scenes, sort of, somebody also who was a mentor to someone, and, and the person that they mentor went off to have this amazing career while the mentor didn't, didn't begrudge this person's success, but, they, but still felt... Somehow that they had lost something. Like, where are they? Where where is their success to that level? Where is... They're not getting the same kind of success? You know, it's always
1: hard for people when they mentor someone and then their mentee... Does better. Yeah. Or reaches a higher level. Which is terrible. Shouldn't be that way, but it is.
0: Tom also tells her that... After five years as an EP, as an executive producer on Nicky, Nicky, Knack, Knack, which means they are the highest level of writer on the show, that he has no points on Nicky, Nicky, Knack, Knack, which means in reruns, syndications, he's going to get nothing, which just seems incredibly unfair to him.
1: Yeah, angry.
0: Valerie gets a text from Mark that informs her that he's just rented a house in the Palisades. Yeah. Love ball. Love ball. I don't, I think he's going there alone. Her face at that moment registers again so many conflicting yeah. it's the same thing as finding out there's a new director on the show. Uh
1: yeah, I think this one hurt a little more. I think she oh, knows. I, so probably yeah. yeah. But she covers Oh yeah. She there you know, there goes back to her old uh everything's
0: fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the veil I
1: think you wanna see.
0: That'll be fun for us. Yeah. The final last sequence, the Seeing Red behind the scenes set. And it's a soundstage and it's set up for some interviews that Jane's going to conduct with her. As Val is arriving, Billy also arrives and says that he got her flowers. I was so excited at that moment. Oh, so is I. Billy's back. He's not leaving her. Oh, thank God. He asks if they can forget what happened and explains that he'd had a Turkish coffee at lunch and it made him insane. And then they walk onto the Bare Bones set and there's no pastel backgrounds like at the beginning. No bright lighting. No halo around her face. No lights from below. And I miss the blue background. I miss the floating on a cloud, Valerie. It is definitely not the shiny facade that they're used to. Valerie says that it's dark and won't match what they were doing before. She seems very, very concerned. But Jane explains to her that this is what HBO wants and that they've got new plans and they want it like this, that she showed them footage. They like this look and they want the whole thing to look more like a documentary. Val's face also looks like she's got very specific ideas what she thinks a documentary or something Lord knows what's gonna come out what a documentary looks like and it's Doesn't look like she thinks it's a good thing. Jane explains that HBO thinks there's an interesting story about Valerie and the obstacles that she's facing in the role with her career and her family. But Val will not let up. She still wants more light. Does she ever? Once that light thing happened, oh yeah. She is obsessed with the lighting. Jane tells her, hey, I like it like this. But Valerie says, well, that's fine. But she's going to need more if she wants to continue with their little documentary. And then she walks off the set. Jane sends the cameras and Mickey after her. Valerie steps out of the soundstage into the light of day as Mickey is saying, Good for you, Red. Valerie's still convinced that they're trying to fool her. That they're still trying to set her up. Fool me once. Well,
1: yeah. What happened to the, the other comeback? You know, that was a horrible experience.
0: On the outside of the soundstage, as she's coming off, still trying to process what is happening, she sees Liz from the New York Times getting into her car, and Valerie chases her down and starts awkwardly beating on Liz's window. Valerie, 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 no. No, it's the New York Times liz from the new york times asks you know how she can help her and Valerie's very awkward really has nothing to say or as much as she has to say she doesn't
1: she suddenly realizes maybe she shouldn't
0: right and so valerie starts sort of blowing a little sunshine up liz's ass but she's not saying anything and liz is looks bored and get out of my face i gotta leave yeah she's gotta leave i actually thought she seemed very patient with her yeah but but it was but she a... gave her nothing val finally musters up the strength to ask her what she meant when she said valerie's performance was brave is is there something you needed
2: uh i well just you know wanted to say it was so nice to meet you and i'm you know really looking forward to reading that article it was nice to meet you too yeah oh good good okay you know what i just have um thanks i just have one quick question um when you said that I was brave, uh, you know, um, is that because you meant the way I looked? No, no, I meant you were so emotionally raw. People have never seen that side of you before. It felt like you were exposing the inner part of yourself in a, a very surprising and compelling way. Surely you must have been aware of what you were doing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's just, you know, usually brave, you know, that's, is that what an actress is, you know, playing a man or not wearing makeup or gained 50 pounds, you know. No, no, that's I no, that's not what I meant. Okay. Oh, okay. Valerie, I think people are going to see you in a whole new light when this show premieres. You do? Yes. Wow. Um, well really have to go <laughs> yeah oh be sure doll yeah safe have a safe trip okay jane
0: um, i'll do whatever you want it was that moment between them and then the strains of that song I just thinking about it I'm like tearing up thinking about it and Liz has to leave and Valerie is processing this all and tells Jane okay she'll do whatever she wants now she's got the level of validation she wanted as they're about to head back on to the set I'm laughing because I'm thinking about the next moment Tyler reminds her that she still hasn't opened her gift from Seth and hands it to her but it's open
1: he couldn't he got curious he wanted to see what was inside because he's really inappropriate. I love Tyler. I'm really, that character has really grown on me.
0: She says something like, oh yeah, I got bored, so I had not open yeah. it. And she's like, did you? She's still got that, you kids. You yeah. kids have no idea. She opens it, and it's this beautiful starfish from Seth Rogen. Oh, I know. I got clamped. And she says, Seth Rogen gave me a star. He's saying I'm a star. Isn't that nice? And she says, it's a good day. And we know all this other crap has gone down, but she's still saying it's a good day. She says as they're walking on to set, okay, let's do it. The diva's back. This episode was written and directed by John Rigi. Yay, Rigi. It just was such a killer episode to me. It was a killer episode.
1: We saw... We saw growth in every single person, you know, in, in in Valerie, in Polly G, growth in the wrong direction, really. We saw how Tom had changed, Billy. We saw that Mickey maybe never thought Valerie was a good actress <laughs> up until this moment. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, and Jane was really assertive, you know. Jane really... We learned that, you know, Jane is employed by HBO. So um, she's really Valerie's boss in a lot of ways on this, on the documentary. Now she is. And yeah. I
0: love that Jane has sort of taken this opportunity to do what she wants to do now. Make a documentary. She, yeah. Now she's able to do something a little more legit. I
1: wonder if the last episode, it's so funny because when I listen back to the predictions we made, Uh, For the first season and we were off sometimes we were right, but more often we were like it went a totally different way But I was wondering if the last episode will be the documentary like we saw the first
0: season. That we're going right. to see part of the behind the scenes.
1: Or or Jane's documentary. Maybe we're just going to see Jane's documentary. I'm very, I'm like, I'm almost sad. that. Oh, I'm very sad. There's only one episode left. They've got to do
0: more. I know. That's one of the things I kept thinking was, there's no way you can just wrap this up now. Can you? So there's there? got
1: to be more. There's got to be.
0: Now, in one article or interview, I read the Lombardo, I think it's Michael Lombardo uh, at HBO, said that he's very open to the <gasps> idea oh. of a season three. Maybe we should generate a campaign. So if you guys are interested in a season three of The Comeback, make write sure... to HBO. Write to HBO, blow up the Twitter feed, and also follow us on Twitter at Genmar Films, and you will hear about whatever we're doing, not just with The Comeback, but in future ventures, other shows that... W- we, we do maybe. have some other shows coming up. And then we'll have some other interesting projects that we're working on. Email us at jenmarfilms@gmail.com. So, yeah, you can find us on email, Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, as always, you can find us on iTunes. As always, we want to thank you for listening because without you... Well, we'd still just be sitting in this room together laughing alone laughing laughing but, which we're gonna do now yeah when we're gonna sign do anyways off. we're gonna laugh anyways alright have All a right. good one you guys bye see you very soon for <gasps> the season two finale I don't need to see that. I don't want I don't need that. I don't want I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't wanna see that. I don't see that. I don't wanna see that. I
1: don't wanna see that. I don't wanna see that. I don't wanna see that I don't wanna see that. I don't wanna see that. I don't wanna see that. I don't want to see dance